Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Come on, you're not in prison. You're not in the principal's office. Come on, somebody. It's a good day to be alive. You're not in the hospital today. Thank God you're here. Every day is a gift. I'm just excited to be here. We're fired up, man. It's going to be a great day. If you believe it, say amen. We are a loud church. We're a vocal church. Anybody fired up today? I get fired up, man, because every week, I know it seems like just enthusiasm, but hype, hype is when people are excited for the sake of being excited with no results. Uh, passion is when you're excited about something that actually is worthy because it can change things. And I believe that we got to get passionate in church because when we are, it has the ability to change the environment. God can heal. God can save. God can deliver. Amen? Anybody have some passion today? All right. Well, I'm excited. If you're brand new today, uh, welcome to Ocean's Church. Uh, I'm so honored to have you with us. I know that every week online and in the tents, there's people that maybe normally don't go to church. Maybe like Tony didn't grow up in a church like this, or like Tina didn't grow up in a, in a, in a belief system like this. Maybe some of you were more liturgical churches that the pastors dressed in royal robes from Lord of the Rings. Sat on the platform and thrones and drank out of goblets. Come on, somebody. But um, I believe that Jesus meets his kids where they are. Do you believe that today? I'm grateful that the Bible doesn't say anything about, hey, if you want to come to God, you have to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, pray in the Queen's English. Only read the, the King James Bible, King James Version. Uh, which is funny to me because some of the most religious people in the world claim the King James Version is the only English translation, and it's actually one of the least accurate translations. Another message. Um, so we're going to have a good time today. If you believe it, say amen. If you got your Bible, though, uh, today I'm going to open up. And uh, if you're brand new today, I know every week there's people that don't believe in Jesus that come to our church. Every week there's sons and daughters that are like, Mom, I don't want to go. And you're like, then you're not getting your allowance. So here you are. If you're here and your girlfriend or your boyfriend said, I'm going to break up with you unless you go to church, I'm glad you're here. If you're here because there was a family emergency and they're like, you got to come to church today, I'm glad you're here. If you just randomly were driving by and you're like, I think I should go to church, I don't know why, I'm glad you're here. Anybody glad you're here? I'm glad you're here. If you're atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Muslim, a Hindu, we believe that Jesus loves everybody. Do you believe that today? The Bible I read says God so loved the church. God so loved the world. The world, man, not the church. He loved the world that he gave his only son. So if you don't normally go to church, or let me say it this way, if you've gone to church and had a bad experience, uh, I would call that being human. I would say that's a pretty normal thing. Uh, I'm not saying it's a right thing or a good thing, but unfortunately, churches are messed up sometimes because people go to them. Two people, I tell you. Churches are perfect until we walk into them. Can I get an amen? So if you have been burned by a church, had a bad experience, I know our, our younger generation has a hashtag church hurts. Um, I think there is such thing as church hurts, but I believe in a God that heals church hurts. Believe it or not, there's pastor hurts too. God heals those hurts too. So the good news is, is if you get sick in a restaurant setting, we do not give up on eating. Anybody believe that today? Well, there was a time I had those quesadillas, cheese, were, cheese was old, got sick. Listen to me. You get food poisoning, you'll be back. 
And I want to encourage you with God and with church. If you've had a bad experience somewhere, you got spiritually sick, don't stop eating. Just find somewhere else to eat. Is that a good spot for an amen? The wind said amen to that. If you got your Bible today, uh, I encourage you to open it up. We're in a series called Homecoming. Last week, if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back. Um, I, I do believe we kind of laid a little bit of a foundation for the next two Sundays uh, in regards to Luke 15, two lost sons going crazy. One was lost in the field and was in the church. One was lost out of the field and he was in Vegas. Both sons were a little bit crazy, but God the Father brought them both home. And when they both came home because of the famine, uh, it was the goodness of God that brought both kids together. And I believe we have some wild people in Orange County. We have some religious people in Orange County. And it's the love of the Father that brings them both home. So you go back and watch last week's message. We talked about preparing God's house. Today, I believe if we prepare God's house, we'll eventually have a full house. Say with me, full house. And if you are a poker player, you were thinking about a full house. If you were a uh, millennial, you're thinking about Uncle Jesse right now. Full house. You've got your Bible. I want to talk about full house today. If you're brand new to our church, I'm going to read nine verses out of Acts chapter 16. I'm going to, everything I teach on is connected to those nine verses. I will paraphrase the first 25 verses, and then I'm going to share a story or two. I got five big ideas that I believe is in the heart of God for California, for Orange County, and for our church. I believe this message in nature will be prophetic. I believe that God is speaking a now word. What do you believe? I believe that God can take an ancient manuscript and breathe on it. It's an old book, but listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It is not out of date or out of touch. God still speaks from this book. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Come on, can I get a real amen in Orange County? We believe in this book. That book's boring. No, there's some boring preachers. This book isn't boring. Unfortunately, men have, have made the greatest news on the earth domesticated. And today I believe that we serve a God that is not domesticated. God that's made in our image. Come on, we are made in his image. So, fired up. Act 16, if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. ready. We're in a series called Homecoming. We've been talking about how God is preparing, I believe, the church to actually push forward the kingdom, which is going to actually fill up his house and change the world, and I believe get us ready for eternity. And so, a lot lot, lot to say this morning, short time to say it. Uh, But basically, I love Act 16. It's It's about three people. Uh, three, three major people that are impacted by Paul and Silas who were preachers. It starts off, which by the way, let me just, I didn't say this the other, the other services. Um, but you know what's cool about the, the story of Acts 16? It starts off before two missionaries go to Philippi, a Roman colony, an affluent city, much like Orange County. Before they go to Philippi and preach the greatest news that earth has ever heard. Before Lydia, a wealthy aristocrat, believes with her household and they're baptized. Before a slave girl who is demon-possessed gets liberated. And before a jailer gets converted and actually has his whole household get saved. Notice this, that all of these things did not happen. There never would have been a church in Philippi and there never would have been a book written to the Philippians. This whole chapter is the origins of the book of Philippians. And let me take it back a little bit further. All of it started with a dream. The beginning of Acts 16, it says, in a dream, Paul saw a man from this region saying, come here and help us. I believe, I am a believer that when God gives men and women dreams, regions can change. 
God gave us a dream for Orange County, gave us a dream for port cities and coastal cities. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, I believe today God's dream still can change regions. You believe that today? So Acts 16, let's read this together uh, just a little, little before we read. Uh, basically, there's a, a wealthy businesswoman, Lydia. She has an encounter with Paul and Silas. She believes. She invites two missionaries into her home. She sells purple. So this lady's doing pretty well. If you sell a color back in those days, you're doing pretty good. What do you do for a living? Purple. Come on, you're doing. Come on, business is good. So you have an aristocrat. You have a slave girl that's demon-possessed. They're going to a prayer meeting, and this demon-possessed girl starts shouting to Paul and Silas. She's a fortune teller. There's an evil spirit living inside of her, the Bible says. And she starts declaring the truth, which is basically these guys are sent from God to tell people the way to Jesus, to God. And Jesus was so annoyed. You know why he was annoyed? Because this woman was full of darkness, and darkness can tell truth one minute and lies the next minute. So he said, no, no, you ain't saying any of the truth. The only one that's going to preach this message are those that are living for it takes authority over this demonic spirit, it leaves. The masters of this slave girl are so furious because their little golden ticket now is in her right mind. They didn't care about the girl. They cared about the money. Yeah. It's been a human, uh, a human weakness since the origins of man. When we value money more than people, we get everything screwed up. We don't, come on, we don't use people to get money. We use, we use money to get people. And it says that this woman gets in her right mind, and they, what they do? They, they, they get the crowd. They get the, they get the woke crowd. They say, hey, cancel culture. These two guys, these guys preached a message that brought this girl back into her right mind. And you know what they did? They did then what society is doing today. They called something good bad. They beat good men for something good over something they called bad. So these guys are now in, in custody. They were beaten. They're, the jailer brings them into the innermost part of the jail, puts them in stocks. Say with me, stocks. This is where we pick up reading stocks is when your, your head, your hands, and your feet are all connected. Very uncomfortable, especially after you got beaten by a crowd. Let's look at verse 25 here. But at midnight, nine verses. But at midnight, what time was it? Midnight. It was midnight. It was dark out. Paul and Silas were praying. What were they doing? They were praying and they were singing hymns. Scholars argue whether it was a Chris Tomlin song or a Hill song. It's hard to say. It's a tough crowd, I guess. It's a joke, people. The prisoners were listening to them. Who was listening? Very important. I believe that like then, today, the world is watching those of us that believe. What do you do in a dark hour? What do you do when someone punishes you for doing what's right? They're watching them. Suddenly, as they worshiped and as they prayed... There was a great earthquake. The earthquake was so great that the foundations, I need you to say it with me, foundations. The foundations of the prison, the thing that kept people in bondage, that foundation was shaken. Everyone's chains were loosed. All the doors were opened. And the keeper of the prison himself woke up from his sleep. How many believe that prayer and worship can wake up sleeping jailers? It's powerful, man. And this guy wakes up. He saw the doors open. Supposed everybody left. Drew his sword. Was about to kill himself. Can you imagine? This guy is probably shaking. He's hysterical. He's scared out of his mind. The only reason he would kill himself is because in Roman laws, this is a Roman colony, 
In Roman law, if a jailer lost a prisoner, the penalty of the prisoner would go to the jailer instead. And so obviously there is people that are in this prison that are on capital, uh, they're getting capital punishment. They're on death row, literally. And these guys, they deserve death. And so he goes, because they got free, I will have to die in their place. So he has a sword drawn. He's about to kill himself. But Paul, call, Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We are all here. So the jailer called for a light. He ran down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out. Say it with me. Brought them out. Brought them out of what? The prison. He brought them out of the prison. Obviously brought them to his house. And he says, sir, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? Listen to me. When you see God answer prayer and answer worship by shaking your whole world, and you see the power of God is not a philosophical argument, it's not a figment of your imagination that God's power is here and now. What happens is the human response to the power and goodness of God is, what do I got to do to know him? Man, this is so powerful today because Paul gives probably the heaviest theological breaks down the, the greatest enigma of faith into one sentence. You know what you got to do? You don't have to do anything physically. You know what you have to do? Watch what he says. All you have to do is believe on the Lord. Believe on the Lord. Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. So they're in the house now. And he took them the same hour of the night, and he washed their stripes. Immediately, this man, his jailer, and his family were baptized. They brought them out into the house again, and he set some Chick-fil-A, or some food. Come on, it was closed. It was Sunday. Put some food before them. They rejoiced, having believed God with all, with all, with all of his household. I've been praying this month that our church would see entire households come to Jesus. I believe it's going to happen even today. If you're brand new today, we're going to pray real fast. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We ask you that during Thanksgiving week, we're so grateful for the gift of life. I pray that you would meet us all here today. Whether we're in town for this one week and we'll never be here again, or Lord, we come here faithfully every week. God, would you meet me right where we are at? Lord, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, would you shake this place with your power? Would you heal the sick? Would you evict darkness? And would you show these people how powerful and how loving you are? In Jesus Christ, our Lord's name. And God's people said a good old-fashioned. Come on, shout amen. Amen. Full house, full house. I, uh, I love the holiday season. I know some people don't like the holiday. I like the holiday season. Um, we always had family traditions growing up. One of our family traditions was to uh, go to my grandma's house. Every Thanksgiving, regardless of where she lived, we would always drive to grandma's house. And a little home that normally facilitated two humans dwelling inside of this home now is full of 20 or 30 people. Cousins, aunties, uncles, are you following me? It was crazy town. There was people everywhere, bodies everywhere. Come on, it was a, it was a week of cold showers, lines to brush your teeth. Couldn't walk through the kitchen without bumping into six bodies. Just a small house, a lot of people. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. Our welcome mat just said, well. You ring the doorbell at our house growing up, the toilet flush? Come on, somebody. 
didn't have a lot, but we, we had this, our family vacations was going to grandma's house. We would urban camp, come on, on the living room floor. Me and 60 cousins. We would be there, and you did everything together. You're watching the Rose Parade together. You're watching the Cowboys uh, play together. <laughs> for the Cowboys fans. You're doing everything together. You get sick, everyone gets sick. You ever have one of those holidays that everyone gets sick the same week? It was like, we'll never do this again. Next year, you're right back there. I remember that. Uh, I think it's no coincidence that Noah spent 100 to maybe 370 days, scholars say, on a boat with animals and his family. Can you imagine 300 days with your family and with animals? And the first thing he does when he gets off the ark is he plants a vineyard and he gets drunk. I'm not saying it was right, but we know why. Come on, somebody. This guy is like way too much family time. This is crazy. I was thinking about, you know, on a serious note with family, I think one of the hardest things for parents is when we get to that point that we become empty nesters. And so much of our life revolves around our babies, our little kids. We love our children. And um, I was thinking about the other night, it hurt my heart this week. I don't know why, for some reason, I thought about the day when my kids don't live with me. And immediately I'm like, oh my gosh, I might start crying right now. And I was thinking about, man, it's, it's, I, I used to make fun of my mom when, she, when I was growing up because my mom would always joke with Rochelle or I, she'd say, we'll just buy a bigger house and we'll have all of our kids keep living with us. And I was like, mom, no. <laughs> and as a kid, you're like, no, I would never do that. I want freedom. Like William Wallace, come on, somebody. But when you become a parent, you're like, I think we just need to buy a bigger house, Rochelle. Have our kids live with us forever. It's amazing. And again, this week I was praying, and we're in this series, Homecoming, and I just felt the heart of God. And that's what he wanted me to tell you is he says, just like you or I have a hard time thinking about life without our kids in it. God's heart hurts at the idea that his kids would not be in his house. You know, it's hard for parents is to think, man, when my kids move out, will they want to come back and visit me? Will they want me to stay a part of their lives? And I, I felt the heart of God. I want to remind you that God is not made in your image. You're made in his image. And the emotions that you and I possess oftentimes are the same emotions that are in the heart of God. I want you to know that God has 3.2 million kids in our county alone. And many of them are living outside of, of his house. Living outside of, of the protection, the love, the care, and the nurture of what his roof has to provide. And I was praying this week, and I just, I felt the heart of God saying that, I, he said, Mark, I want my house to be full of my kids. You see, I believe that he's coming back for a church that's full of his kids. Full of them. Wild kids, weird kids, crazy kids, religious kids. I want you to know that some kids only parents can love. You ever heard that before? That kid's so crazy, only his mama can love that kid. God has some weird and crazy kids, but he loves all of them. Some of you are like, I'm a black sheep. Listen to what? God loves his black sheep. There is no one too weird, too rebellious, too defiant, too wicked, too lost, too wandering. God's love knows no boundaries. And I want you to know, when you get sad thinking about your kids not being in your house, that is a microcosm of how great the chasm is in the heart of God. God isn't satisfied with 10% of his kids knowing him. 
How many of you would be like, man, half of my kids love me? Praise God. You would never celebrate 50% of your kids wanting you in their life. I believe the heart of every good parent is to see reconciliation with all of your kids that are wayward. And I felt like God wanted me to tell you today that his heart burns. You know what he burns for? A full house. You know why churches build bigger buildings? Because he wants to make room for his kids to come home and live. God's desire is that his house would be full. And I love this story because it was about God's dream in his heart for a city called Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony. It was named after Alexander the Great's dad, King Philip. King Philip changed the name of this great city. At one time, there was much gold, much resources. It was very affluent. They had everything monetarily. It was spiritually bankrupt, though. And God would give a dream to a man to, to give to Paul, gave Paul a dream. And they traveled there, and there was three people that were reached immediately. You had an aristocrat named, named Lydia who was very wealthy, very powerful. And then there was a slave girl that got set free who was very poor. She was the lowest part of the social economic uh, uh, ladder. And then there was a jeller who was a blue-collar employee of the Roman government. And listen to me, the gospel had a way of penetrating every social economic realm. It wasn't just the down and out living on Skid Row. It was the up and out living in Newport Coast. God's love knows no. God's heart is that all of his kids. And it's wild that two out of three of them, their entire households were saved. And I want to focus in on this because I felt God uh, just even leading me in this this week. That there was something in this story that's so powerful. You see, we see that the, the, the world called bad things good and good things bad then. And it's still happening today. What caught my attention was this, is that when Paul and Silas were beaten, they were arrested, the cancel culture tried to cancel them out. Yeah. I read a funny, uh, it wasn't funny, but it was a little too close to home, but I read a meme that said the, the lost uh, prodigal son in Luke 15 that I talked about last week, it said, it was like a, a news headline that said, after years of coming home, there was some old news that came out about his old lifestyle, and he's been kicked out of the father's house. That is the society that we live in today. We think that you can cancel the love of God. God's love cannot be canceled. Can I get an amen? God's love cannot be revoked. It cannot be reversed. There is nothing so bad in your past that God cannot redeem in your future. So what do you see? As I see that this is powerful, they get, a, they get arrested. They get, they get beaten. They're in the stocks. They're in the inner prison. And while they're there, all of the prisoners are watching them. And when all eyes are on them, this caught my attention. They did what most of us would not do. If I'm being very honest, if it was me, I have to confess to you. I don't know if my first response would be, how great is our God. Sing with me. You're bleeding. You're uncomfortable. You're unrighteously accused, persecuted. I don't know if prayer and praise would be our first response, but I think therein lies the power and the problem at times with the church. We have to realize that with God, there is no prison that can keep us from his freedom. And with God, his light shines even in midnight hours. I want you to write this down today because if the house of God and the people of God are going to come back to their father, if God's house is going to be full, I, I say this all the time, but many, many Bible teachers, they preach a weak, a weak gospel that doesn't save, doesn't change, doesn't transform, doesn't deliver, it doesn't heal, and it doesn't transform the human heart. That is a weak, false gospel. A gospel that doesn't touch your body, soul, and spirit is no gospel at all. Jesus didn't just die to get you to heaven. He died to get heaven inside of you. 
and two people in the world, they preach a message about a church that's weak, that has to be rescued out of a big, dark, bad world. And there's other preachers like this church that say he's not coming back for a weak church that needs to be rescued. He's coming back for sons and daughters that know how to worship and pray even when they're in prisons and even when it's midnight. This is wild. Notice that in prison they worshiped and prayed. In prison, in a midnight hour. I believe that God's house will be full when God's people believe that there is with Jesus freedom in prison and light at midnight. With Jesus, there is freedom even when we are in seasons of persecution. God can raise up his church. There is men and women in these tents that are a part of, I believe, ushering light into every square foot of our county, our state, and our nation. If you believe it, can I get an amen? With Jesus, there is freedom in times of bondage, incarceration. And with Jesus, even in the greatest, darkest hours, his light can shine through. I am convinced that the early church was full, that 3,000 got saved in one day. 15,000 people believed within two, three weeks. The church rapidly multiplied because the people that were in it believed that regardless of how wicked the society is, regardless of how dark the world is, and regardless of how much bondage the government is propagating, the church will be free. God's kids will be free. You can put me in prison, but you can't get God out of my heart. We are free. And Paul and Silas begin to worship. They begin to pray. And I believe that they were free. And the house was full because they believed that with Jesus, freedom is in prison. And it can be in prison and light can be at midnight. And they also believed that prayer and worship shakes foundations, opens doors, and releases chains. This is what we don't talk a lot about today. Well, what do you do every Sunday? Well, we sing a few songs. What do you do every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays? We have a prayer meeting at our San Juan campus. Why does this church pray? Why does this church sing? You guys like really into holy karaoke? Why are you guys into all that singing? I go to church and I'm singing. We go to church and we're singing. Why do you sing so much? I just love to sing. Singing's my favorite. Why are you singing so much? I believe the secret is, to be honest with you, The early church believed that there was a power in worship and prayer that had the ability to shake the foundations. I want you to know that everything that you see physically is connected to something spiritually. The Bible said that the worlds were framed by the words of God so that that which is seen was made of things that are not visible. Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and bloods and wicked, wicked leaders and wicked rulers. We actually wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers in heavenly places. You know what prayer is? Prayer is the air support that gets the ground ready for physical change. And I tell you, before we have righteous leaders in our land, we have to have a church that prays righteous prayers. Prayer and worship shakes the foundations. These guys started praying. They started worshiping. And as they prayed and as they worshiped, two things I want you to uh, catch here is the eyes of the unbelieving society were on those that prayed and worshiped. And there was a divine correlation between their praise, their prayers, and what physically happened in this prison. See, prisons represent bondage. 
Prison represents uh, ability not to be who God made you to be in freedom. I believe that Christianity is a doctrine of freedom. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you. Jesus came. By his stripes, you were made whole. I tell you today, this is so important, that they're in bondage. They, they, were, they were there because people called bad things good and good things bad. And when they were in an unjust situation, the church did not underestimate her superpower. You know what the superpower of the Christian life is? It's realizing that when I connect with God and I make God big in my praise, that there is foundations that are generational in my family. There is foundation spiritually in this region, in, in this California land. There's foundations of greed. There's, fund, there's foundations of perversion. There's foundations of lust. There's foundations of wickedness. There is unrighteous foundations that I tell you before God, only prayer and only worship can shake loose. And what I love about the story is, is it didn't take the whole prison singing and praying to shake it. It only took two believers. I love that God doesn't need the majority to wake up. He just needs a few of us that know him to go fully after him. And as those two begin to worship and pray and sing and declare God's greatness, they weren't praying, God, get him. God, sick him. God, punish him. God, bruise that jailer. God, bruise the people that bruise my face. I believe that true Christianity is when you can pray blessing in a region that curses you. That's what they did. They prayed, God, have mercy on this land. God, California has distributed everything in the last 20 years except godliness. Lord, forgive us for pushing a message around the earth that isn't kingdom-centric. And I believe that when we begin to pray and we begin to declare and worship, so powerful. I believe that in prison, in pain, at midnight, this hour was perfect time for a sacred concert. Mark, mark my words. There are some things that we can touch in God's heart that are only accessible in midnight hours. If you're a musician, if you're a business leader, if you're a civic leader, if you're an educational leader, if you're a political leader, if you're a spiritual leader, listen to me. There is some anthems of praise that touch the heart of God that come out of our mouths in dark midnight hours. Let me say it another way. Spurgeon said it this way. Any fool can sing during the daytime. It takes real Christians to sing when there's no light. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But a skillful stagger is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to be read by. Songs in the night come only from God. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not from the power of men. I believe that God wants to give his church anthems of victory. That we would declare while, while California and the world is in turbulence. That would stabilize the world by shaking the foundations of Babylon. I believe in a church that worships and prays. That has the power to change the culture of Babylon that we're living in. It's so powerful today. Is God is a God that responds to the prayers and the praise of his people. You believe that Orange County? This is crazy that when they prayed and when they worshiped, this is wild. we got to get ready for this. As we are a praying, as we are a worshiping church, that's why we will always validate 
that the priority in the, in, the, in the premise of actually praying on Tuesdays, Thursdays, the days will come that our church will have 24 hours a day prayer. And I believe that not only will we pray, we'll write songs in prayer that I believe will go around the nations, touch the heart of God. But mark my words, when this does happen and the shaking begins, it'll start waking up the jailers. Jailers represent people that right now would be enemies of Jesus, enemies of the church, you and I would say, man, I hope that person gets out of their political position. Man, I hope that person gets out of their position of power. Man, I hope that school board, direct, that school board director, I hope this person that's wicked, that's unrighteous, I hope these people leave. The day will come, listen to me, that a praying church, a church that worships powerfully, will actually create an environment that shakes foundations that will wake up those jailers. And I feel it prophetically, Orange County, get ready for some of the jailers that have kept some of you in bondage, some of the people that actually used to sell you drugs, some of the people that used to actually help you make bad decisions in your life will be the very people that will be rocked and awakened by the worship and the prayers that come out of your mouth. The jailer woke up. And when he woke up, this is crazy, it was so wild, that, that Paul had to make a conscious decision Will we open doors to the gospel to the people that close the doors to bondage to us? And that will be a real decision that you and I will have to make. Because we're living in an hour of wicked men and women making wicked decisions that God will shake and wake up. And when they wake up, we can't be like anybody but Paul. In this story, Paul could have easily stayed quiet when the jailer was going to commit suicide. But he didn't let a grudge by the man that put him in bondage keep him from opening the door to the greatest news the earth has ever seen. What do you believe, Mark? I believe that Christianity is so real and so powerful that even your worst enemies deserve to hear about it. I believe that when you get a picture of how, hell, how real hell is, how real eternity is, I don't care how much you hate that politician, how much you hate that wicked guy that did evil things, I'm telling you, it's hard for us to fathom in our natural brains. But I want you to think about the worst criminals on the earth. And I want you to think about this for a second. That hell is such a tormenting place. It is such a real location. And it is such a long term that even the worst enemies of earth, you would never want to see go there. And Paul couldn't stay quiet. He said, please don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And though you might have been the man that caused this bondage, maybe you were the leader that caused me to lose my business. Maybe you're the guy that, that fed my addiction to drugs that made me lose my marriage. I will still gladly open the door to the greatest news that changed my heart. That is a church that has the compassion of Jesus. And when God opens up doors to people that shut doors on us, we got to get ready for this. And I want you to catch this, that the house will be full when we do this. Not only want to be full, the band can come up here. I'm almost done. I've got to hurry up because my voice is going away. I burned 700 calories already. I believe thirdly is, uh, fourthly, that notice what he says when this guy is given the good news. I'll be honest with you. I had a dream this week. <clears throat> I don't get dreams all the time. But I had a very vivid dream this week. It wasn't very long. It's a short dream. But in the dream, God brought my attention to the word Lord. Notice what happens here in this story. He says, what must I do to be saved? I saw the, sh the foundation shake. I saw the prison doors open. 
I saw everybody's chains fall off. Your God is God. What must I do? And some of you today, there's someone in here, you have a, a lifelong STD, and God is going to heal you today. And you're going to go to your annual checkup, and that disease that's been in your body for 7 to 12 years is going to be completely gone. And when it's gone, I want you to know this today. You're going to say, what must I do to be saved? I, will, I would answer the same words that Paul gave. One of the greatest theological, come on, discourses in a pithy statement I've ever heard. Notice how simple it is, but we still miss it. You notice that these words, very simple. He only said a few words here. Watch what he says. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I repeat, believe on the Jesus Christ and you will be saved. One more time for the back. Believe on the God gave me a dream this week, and I believe it's a word for the church, not just this church. He said, Mark, tell my people that I have to be Lord. We, we, this, is, this, is, this is how we read it today. Most Christians in Orange County, we believe that Jesus is real. Most people in these tents, you believe. Listen, I believe that heaven is real. I believe that Jesus is real. Here's what you haven't done in your Christian walk. You haven't made him Lord. You know Lord is? It's a powerful word, man. And God wrecked me. This Lord is actually kurios in the Greek. It means supreme authority. It means controller, master, possessor, and owner. Our English word represents an Aramaic word, three Greek words, nine Hebrew words, two of them in two forms that express dignity, honor, and majesty. Lord, is, it means that you are fully owned by Jesus. And I, I would stand before God today and tell you, I believe the reason why much of North American Christianity has zero power is because we preach a Jesus that is not the Lord. We preach a buddy that forgives your sins and wipes your sin butt up. We preach a Jesus that's your homeboy. We preach a Jesus that's my brother. We preach a Jesus that's my, my buddy and my friend. We don't preach a Jesus that's master, that owns every square foot of your mind, owns your marriage, your children, your husband, your wife, your business, your finances, a Jesus that is supreme. And he gave me this, he said, Mark, tell my people that even the demons believe. Do you know that you can believe in Jesus and not go to heaven? You can believe in Jesus. He says, what do I do to be saved? Here's the Romans 10, 9 road. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God, awaken me. That California's Achilles heel in the church is not preaching Jesus. It's not preaching Jesus as Lord. He's Lord. What do you mean he's Lord? I mean he's Lord not of 90 minutes of your week. Not just 10% of your income. He owns all of it. Some of you know he's not Lord because he doesn't own 10% of your income. Some of you, you worship your kids more than Jesus. Your marriage you value more than God. He woke me up. He said, Mark, tell my people that the demons believe. But they're not going to heaven. He showed me that throughout scriptures, the New Testament, the people that were converted were the ones that made Jesus Lord. Some of you, I believe that Jesus is real, but he's not Lord. 
because you want what you want more than what God wants. And you would push God out to say, no, this is my drinking issue. This is my gambling addiction. This is my sin issues. This is my personality. This is my vocabulary. This is my wickedness. And we justify sin. You know why we're deconstructing the faith? Because we're actually trying to change the Bible instead of letting the Bible change us. He's Lord. I'm sorry, I'm fired up. But I, I have a, I would rather you be smacked with truth today and stand before God one day and say, my pastor told me the truth. Then for me to kiss you with a bunch of lies today saying, Jesus, is just, he's just your homeboy. He's just your little buddy. He's Lord. And the reason why you're a 2.0 version of who you used to be is because you believe in God, but you have not made him. Jailer, you want your family to be saved? All right, this is what you gotta do. You gotta make him the Lord of your life. Your kids gotta see how he's the Lord of your, your free time. That you value church more than travel. That you value church camps more than sports camps. That you value youth group more than, come on, uh, recitals and ballet. You, I'm, I'm not picking on you, I'm just saying, we live in a county that worships sports and we dishonor God. I'll let my kids come to church when they wanna go to church. Listen to me. Where? is the church that has power. It's the church that's full of people that say, Lord, you're Lord. I want you to write this last thing down. I'm almost done. Lordship of Jesus changed this guy's life. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Do you know what Lordship is revealed by? Doing what God says. I don't like church sometimes because I feel uncomfortable. You should. I don't like when the pastor challenges me. You should. Truth cuts oftentimes before it convicts. And when God convicts his kids, God only disciplines kids that belong to him. And if you can go to a church service and not feel disciplined at times, it's probably because you don't belong to God's family. I don't like trainers sometimes. They make me feel uncomfortable. I don't like my trainers convict me in the gym. But what I have found is oftentimes it is the pain in the workout that creates the results in my life. A healthy church is where our sins go to die. A healthy church is when you have plans to live like Babylon on Friday, but you change your plans on Sunday morning. This is, this is what God, is He Lord? My mentor told me years ago, he said, Mark, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. God, you're Lord. And I'm telling you, you will never regret going to heaven saying, God, I wish I would have given you less. But many of you will get to heaven one day and say, man, I should have given God more. He would have done more in my business. He would have done more in my family. He would have done more in my marriage if I would have given him everything. And I believe that one of the things the Ocean's Church is called to do is to populate heaven by telling his kids, if you're going to believe, don't just believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, if you're going to clap, give him a good hand clap today. Can I give you one more point? I'm sorry I'm fired up, man. I love you. I just felt the heart of God say, man, there's so many people that live in deception that they think that Jesus just appeared that Jesus works for you. Look, he, he doesn't work for you. 
quite frankly, he doesn't need you to get the job done. If you ignore his call, he'll get someone else to do it. I actually believe that maybe Rochelle and I were not God's first choice for Ocean's Church. I think God gave dreams and visions to other men and other women because of his great love for this region. But they said no, and where they said no, we said yes. God will raise up those that surrender to his lordship. I feel something today in these tents. I want you to write this last thing down. We're going to see full houses of faith. We're going to see full churches. We're going to see the gates of hell not prevailing. Because we're going to be a church, number five, I want you to write this down. We have to believe that the message will change our household if we invite it into our homes. The message of Jesus' Lordship will change our households if, big if here, we will invite it into our homes. I would tell you that what Lydia and the jailer had in common was they both invited the messengers and the message into their houses. And when the message came into their houses, their households came to faith. We live in a weird world with weird doctrines and weird philosophies. I believe that we live in a modern day Babylon. All right now in society, our, our mainstream media is deceptive. It's trying to connive, it's trying to twist, it's trying to pervert, it's trying to divide. We live in a, we live in a world full of malicious information that is, that is uh, malicious information by the media that they're promoting. Our society right now, listen to me, society loves the idea of letting your children choose for themselves what they think is true. And I want you to know that we've actually made words up in culture in Babylon, like indoctrination, and we've tried to make it a bad thing in Christian families. Don't indoctrinate your kids. I want you to know today that indoctrinating your kids is teaching the doctrines of the worldview of God as laid out in His Word without yielding to the contrary opinions of the world or apologizing for the uh, potential of offending other people. That is indoctrination. We need to not apologize for potentially offending the world by raising our kids in what is true. It's become a bad word in our kids in this society because culture wants to be the one that disciples our kids. I want you to know that it's so important today. We, we, we doctrine become a bad word. Uh, our kids, we, it's, just, it's wild to me. It blows my mind. I was thinking about this. What a disastrous deception to not tell your kids the truth. I believe not telling your kids the truth is the opposite of love. Why would you let your children drift in the desert of the world and cross your fingers that one day they will find the narrow path that leads to the only oasis in the desert? I believe that we need to raise our, our kids up to be righteously abnormal. I believe that you are your kid's guide. And the number one people, number one reason right now that we are use, we are losing at times the younger generation today is that it is in the home that we are no longer creating a place of faith to be transferred. The primary purpose of the home is to evangelize and disciple your children. You cannot outsource this job. Yes, your church will complement it. Yes, the Christian school will help you in it, but mom and dad, no one else can help and no one else can hurt like you in the home.
and I summons a clarion alarm today saying, where are the parents? Where are the moms and the dads that made Jesus Christ Lord of their families? No one can help or hurt your child like a parent can. Parents are powerful. Fathers and mothers are society's most influential roles. It is the highest honor. It is the greatest responsibility. We are raising kids that the world may hate. We want them to be confident in Christian audacity, ready to swim upstream in the godless culture, adrift from holiness. My household will intentionally follow Jesus, not accidentally drift into heresy. So help me God. We're not gonna let Babylon disciple our children. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We live in a society that's like, no, let your kids do what they wanna do. Stupid, ignorant, raise your child up in the way that they should. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Well, my kids gotta just go and just, they gotta backpack Europe and smoke uh, inhalants and, and take hallucinogenics for 20 years and maybe they'll find their way back. Why would you do that? I'm teaching my daughter, Kenzie, you're gonna go to high school. Kids are gonna be sleeping with each other. People are gonna be doing drugs, experimenting with their sexuality. I want you to know the truth. That stuff is empty. And they're gonna say that you're weird. They're gonna say, why don't you cuss like us? Why don't you tell dirty stories like us? Why don't you drink like us? Why don't you smoke like us? And what they call, they call weird now, they'll call you one day and say was wise. I promise you, Kenzie, we have the greatest news in the world. We have the greatest God to serve. And if you're going to give your life to him, give your life to him while you're young. Don't wait to the end of your life to give God the greatest thing you can give him, which is your heart. Where are the parents that say, as for me and my house? Where's the moms up in this place? Me and my house. Where's the dads up in here? That's for me and my house. Jesus Christ will be his Lord, his Lord. Scholars say this jailer wouldn't just lead his household to faith, that this jailer would one day be the pastor of the church of Philippi. He'd be the one that receives the letter from Paul himself, the letter of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Without this jailer, without that demon-possessed girl, without aristocrat Lydia, without a dream in Troas, there would be no book of Philippians. God specializes taking the broken things of the world, turning them right side up. And FYI, let me say one last thing. It says at the very end of the story, after they prayed, after they worshiped, they said, we want to dismiss you. And Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen, baby. I want the governor, I want the leader of this city to come to me legally. And he stood for his legal rights. So what do the people say? Do we just pray and don't get involved in politics? No. Do we just get involved in politics and not pray? No. It's both and. The church needs to pray and the church needs righteous leaders in cities to rise up. Come on, if you're going to clap, give them a good hand clap today. It's both. Everyone stand to your feet. I'm finished. Fill his glory. Fill his glory. I believe the day that God is turning the light bulb on to the Lordship of Jesus. Why would you say, Mark, man, 
I believe in God. Everybody does. So do the demons. I believe that Jesus is good. He's God. So do the demons. The demons don't yield to him because they don't believe that he is Lord. They have not made him a Lord. They fell with Lucifer because they got sucked into the pride of Lucifer that they would be like God. And I believe that today we're not going to be like God. You're made in the image of God, but you were made to worship God. And today I feel like many of you, if you're being honest today, you would say, Mark, I feel like there's some foundations that need to shake. There's some doors that need to open up. And there's some chains that need to fall off of me today. And it's only going to fall off. How, what must I do to be saved? And my response to you is, is make Jesus Lord. I repeat, make Jesus Christ not a good God, but the Lord of your entire life. Make him the Lord of your business. Make him the Lord of your marriage. Make him the Lord of your family, your children. Make him the center point of all that you do. If he is the Lord of everything, he will bless every square foot of your life. He'll lead you, guide you, provide, protect you, redeem. God, I pray today that this house will be so full because we will be a church that believes that you can bring freedom in prisons and light in the darkness. I pray this church will be full because we be those that believe that prayer and worship shakes foundations, opens up doors, and releases chains off of us and our family and friends. I pray this house will be full because, Lord, we would open the door to good news to people that slam the door to bad news on us. I pray that we would believe in the Lordship of Jesus, that you change our hearts by us making you the Lord of our lives. And I pray as we do that, that we bring the message of the Lordship of Jesus into our households to change our homes. In Jesus' name. Can you ask this question all over the tents today? Would you say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? I believe if you'll ask him, he'll speak to you. Yeah. There's someone in here today, I feel like the Lord says, will you make me the Lord of your business? If you can make millions of dollars without God, I wonder what you could do with God. I wonder, man. I don't believe in tithing. I made a lot of money without it. I think a lot of you, you start actually honoring God with your finances, you'll realize that if you can make seven figures by yourself, you probably make eight figures with God. Some of you are like, man, I have a good marriage already. What would your marriage be like if you had God at the center of it? I'm telling you that you could have a good life and be missing out when Jesus isn't Lord. God doesn't make wives worse. He makes lives better. And I want to pray real quick today all over. If you're here today, you say, Mark, I feel like today's the day I rededicate my life. Today's the day that I make Jesus the Lord. I fully surrender to him. Every area, not 90%, not 75%, not 98%, but I give God every square foot of my heart and my life. If you're here today, you never believed in Jesus, and you can feel him knocking at the door of your heart right now. It's real, it's tangible. Tina and Tony said it. There's an energy, there's a power, there's a force in this room. It is the Spirit of God. And if you want to open up your life to him today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. If you walked away from God and you're, today's the day you come home, I want you to raise your hand. Or you're here and you come every week, but He is not the Lord of your life. And you say, before God, I am making Jesus my Lord, Master, Controller, Owner of my life. I'm out of time. Would you raise your hands on the count of three, Lord? 
quicken them right now to respond. 20 people first service. More this service. I pray online and in the tents. Write heart if you're watching online right now. H-E-A-R-T if you want to give your life to God. On the count of three, raise your hands if that's you. One, all over the tents. Two, your heart's beating out of your chest. Today, I make Jesus Lord. Three, real high, real high, real high. I'm not going to embarrass you. Real high, real high. One, two, three. Real high, four, five, six, seven. Real high, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real high, real high. Twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirteen. Thirteen, thirteen, fourteen. Anybody else? Fifteen, sixteen. Anybody else? Seventeen. So good. I believe there's twenty in this service. Every eye closed. Bring that just a little bit. You're here. There's three more. There's a couple online, but there's a couple more in the tents. Three more here today. Your heart's racing. I'm not going to embarrass you. I got to officiate a, a funeral yesterday for a lady that came to our church. She loved God. She died young. She served God. And I'm telling you, no one has promised to live 100 years. No one's promised to live 80 or 90 years. Some of us, this might be our last week of life. And I'm telling you, what better day to get right with God than right now? There's at least, at least, I say at least because there's probably at least five to seven, but there's at least three. You need to raise your hand right now. Today, God, I want to make a deal with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. There's five, there's seven more. Eyes closed, heads bowed, I'm out of time. Would you start raising your hands right now on the count of three? One, yeah, there's coming up right now. There they are. There's two more. Two all over the room right now. Real high, three, that's me. There's three. I see three. Keep it up for me for a second. Three, four. Four. Raise it real high. I believe there's three more. Three more. Three more. Yeah, you see another one? Four. Five. Six. I believe there's one more person. One more. One more. Did I count you? I don't know if I counted you yet. Seven. 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 Yeah, seven, seven. All right, here we go. Oceans, let's pray this prayer today. A lot of people. Come on, would you pray this prayer, Oceans Church? How many want to live as Jesus as the Lord of your life? All over the tent. We're going to be a full church because we're going to honor God to come all the way inside of us. So pray this prayer with me all over the tent. Say, Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord, the boss, controller, the owner, and the master of my life. Every square foot, every relationship, every sphere of influence, I invite you to be Lord. Change my heart, change my desires, give me your appetites. Forgive me, heal me, restore me, and direct me from this day forward. In Jesus' name. You pray that prayer, listen to me, it's very important that you get a Bible, and it's very important that you get a church to call home. I don't go to church twice a year. Can you go to heaven without going to the church? Yes. But is it, is it harder to follow God? Yes. It's way easier to stay in shape if you have a gym membership. I just feel like some of you need to get connected to a church. Last thing we do today, God is healing some of you. Some of you raised your hand. There's, again, there's a guy and a girl that both have a STD. God's healing it today. You've had it for one, you had it for seven years, one had it for 13 years. There's someone else in here, you had like uh, uh, Bell's palsy. 
some sort of stage bell's palsy and God is going to bring feeling back to a numb part of your face and your jaw. Yeah, there's someone in here, you have some sort of issue, you had a stroke, it paralyzed parts of your uh, one side, it's your left side of your body. God is going to restore feeling to where the stroke has removed, uh, uh, removed uh, some of your formative functions. I pray right now, if you need a healing in your body, I dare you, if you believe that God is Lord and can heal your body, I want you to raise your hands. If you need a physical healing in your body, you have a broken heart today, someone just went through a separation, someone went through a divorce, your heart is bleeding today, and God is going to patch you up. He's going to heal you. I want you to raise your hands all over the tents if you need prayer. Raise your hand right now, real high, real high. Oceans, we're family. We pray here together. Find someone with their hand up. Everyone that has a hand up needs a hand on their shoulder. Put a hand on someone's shoulder. Come on, right now. I want you to pray right now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, we invite you by your spirit. Heal their body. Touch their mind. Remove the darkness. Fill them with your glorious power. Right now, Holy Spirit, top of their head, bottoms of their feet. Do what doctors, medicine, counseling, therapy, exercise. God, do miracles today in their body. Do what that stuff could not do. Do it now. Show them your love. Say it like this. Show them your power. In Jesus' name. Now watch. Right now, come on. Hands on them. Some of you are feeling physically. You can feel a heat in your body. Some of you feel like electricity flowing through you right now. Some of you feel goosebumps. You're crying. What is that? That is the power of the Spirit of God. It's cleaning you out right now. Someone in here, you've had 41 years of addiction to dark vices. And today, the Lord would clean your soul out. He's making your heart brand new. He's restoring like Naaman's flesh as, as young as a baby. He's restoring your innocence today. God, I pray that you would heal his heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel like there's someone here today. There's like five people that, can I ask you to close your eyes real quick? This is a holy moment. There's like five people here today that literally like you came today and you're like, you have this bill, you have some expenses this week that you're like, I have no idea, God how you're going to provide. I have no money left. I, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. I'm at the end of my financial resources. God, would you please help? There's a few of you. A couple of you even gave money in the offering today. Some of your last money. And I feel like the Lord says, I'm going to take care of you. I want to pray for you today. It, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Please don't look around at this moment. Just, just keep your eyes closed. If you're here and you need a financial miracle this week, a financial miracle this week, I'm going to ask you, please, holy moment, don't open your eyes, but if that's you, would just raise your hand. I'm, just, I'm the only one looking. I need a financial miracle this week. I need a financial miracle this week. I see seven hands, eight hands, nine hands, ten hands. Okay, this is what I want to do. I want you to um, do me a favor. I want you to keep your hands up for a minute. Everyone, listen to me real quick. If your, hand, if your eyes are closed right now and your hand's not up, if you feel God putting it on your heart to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. I want you to open your eye real quick and find one person around you or two people around you. And after this service, I want you to either give them cash. If you have cash on, you can give it to them right now. Go ahead, just put cash in their hands. Keep your eyes closed. If your hand's in the air, no, no need to know who's giving you what. But if you have physical cash on you, I want you to give someone cash that's next to you. I feel led to do this. 
And after service, if you don't have cash, ask them if they have cash out or Venmo. And I believe that we're going to bless some people. That's going to be a miraculous, a miraculous Sunday. Keep your hand up, please. Eyes closed. Just put your hand, just put some money in their pocket, put it in their hands. And if you don't have cash, I want you after the service, please don't raise your hand unless this is a, a, a legitimate, I'm in a dire situation. God, please help me this week. Your hands are up. I pray for financial miracles to break out all over this church. Would you do me a favor? If you want to bless someone, just open your eyes, find someone right now, and either give them cash or you get like 10 seconds to do this. And if not, find them after the service and say, God, put it on my heart. Do you have a cash app? Do you have a Venmo? I want to bless you. Go ahead right now. Let's go ahead and put, put that cash on their seat, put it on their hand, whatever it is. Just bless them. People are walking around right now. Come on, how good is it to be a church, to be an answer to somebody else's prayers? Yeah, we're changing lives. God is changing lives. Right now, right now, we're almost done. Almost done. Keep your hands up. Almost done. Almost done. Almost done. I thank you, Lord, that this week, you would, you would baffle the minds. One of you, you raised your hand. This is crazy. The exact amount you need this week, you're going to find by the end of this day, you're going to have the exact amount that's needed to take care of your week. And God says, I did that as a sign and as a wonder to let you know that I do care about you and that if you come back to my house, I will take care of every one of your needs. I pray you bless these people today in Jesus' name. Come on, we just sing this song one time. Do whatever you want to do. Come on, just sing it one more time. You love how good God is. Come on, just sing it to Him. Love 
Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.